You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Today, I'm I'm so excited because we're starting a brand new series called From Dream to Reality. From Dream to Reality. And this is a series where we're going to be doing a deep dive study into one specific character of the Bible in the Old Testament, a guy by the name of Joseph. And I'll tell you a little bit more about him in just a moment. But I am excited because we're doing something special this series, which by the way, is the longest series we've ever done as a church. It's going to be nine weeks. So nine weeks, buckle in, it's gonna be so good. Uh, But throughout this nine weeks, our team has worked really hard to provide a custom online devotional to go with the content that we're gonna be talking about every single week. And you can find that exclusively on our app. And so some of you, maybe you have never downloaded the Queen City Church app. It's a fantastic app. Um, And you can find that in your app store. You can even use that QR code and download it today. But that is where you can find that devotional. And I just wanna encourage you uh, to be able to go all in with this. I mean, it's nine weeks where there'll be a devotional every single Monday through Friday. We give you the weekends to catch up if you miss any days. And here was kind of on my heart is that maybe for some of you, you've never like consistently read the Bible and maybe that like privately in your own personal life, I call it my devos. And I just wanna encourage you, like this is a great way to start that. And it's a great way to get some wins in that area of your life. Or maybe, man, maybe you've been in a, in a spot where I've tried, but I always tend to like just stop after three days. And uh, th- this, will be, this will be something that I think will be very doable. doable no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. And the cool thing is it will go along with everything that we're talking about on Sundays. And so I just encourage you to download that app and start, it'll start tomorrow. So make sure that you do this, okay? Now, this guy named Joseph that we're gonna be looking at in this series, Joseph's story actually covers 14 chapters of the Bible. You can find that in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. In in Genesis 37 through Genesis chapter 50, you can find Joseph's story. And when you look at his life, you're gonna see at the very start of his life, we're actually gonna read that today, you will see that God gives him a very specific dream when he is 17 years old. So 17 years old, God gives him a dream for his life, but that dream doesn't become reality until he's 30 years old. So if you do the math, there is a 13 year gap between his dream and then his dream becoming reality. But here's the thing that we have to understand today is that there was a point to that 13 year gap. In fact, our theme verse for this series explains, here's this 13 years and here's what it's all about. You can see this in Psalm 105 verse 19, it says this, Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. It says that gap was all about the character, that the gap between the dream and the dream becoming reality was all about his character. 
And if you want to know what the big idea of this series and what it's going to look like, here's the big idea. Here's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks is that big dreams must be supported by big character. That is so important for us to grasp. Literally, the message of this series is that big dreams must be supported by big character. And that was true for Joseph, but that's also true for you and me. That God has a plan, that our dreams, that they must be supported by big character. And here's what I believe with all my heart, and maybe you don't, but I do, and I have a mic, that is that God has a dream for your life. Listen, God has a purpose. He has a plan for your life. There's a reason why you are breathing. We are passionate about this as a church. Just like Noah in the scripture that he shared earlier, you are a masterpiece created by God to do great works. Every single one of you, that God has a dream for your life. And maybe you know that dream. Maybe you're in here and you're like, yes, I know the dream that God has for my life. He's already put it in there. But maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know God's dream for my life. I'm clueless. When you say that, I don't know what that is. And by the way, let me just practically help you. If that is you, you're like, I don't know God's plan. I don't know his dream for my life. Here's what I've discovered. The best way to get to know God's dream for your life is to get to know God. I'm just telling you, the best way To know God's dream for your life is to get to know God. The more you get to know God, the more you will begin to discover and he will show you what his dreams are for your life. And I promise you that God's dream for your life is bigger and it's better than your dream for your life. That's how God rolls. If you don't know that, God loves to give his kids big dreams. He loves that. He loves to give his kids big dreams. So in this series, I'm just going to go ahead and challenge you. I'm asking every single one of you to open up your heart and to let God over the next few weeks speak into your heart about his dream for your life, which might be different than your dream for your life. I'm asking you, I dare you to dream over the next eight, nine weeks. I dare you to dream. For some of you, I dare you to dream again. Because maybe for whatever reason, you stopped dreaming. You've put a dream that you had at one point and you put it on the shelf, now it's collecting dust. And for whatever reason, you think you're disqualified. And you think, oh, I've, I, if you only knew me, if you only knew the choices I make, all the mistakes that I've made, God cannot and he will not use me. The dream will never come to pass. Or maybe there's other, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too old, I've already missed my time. Or I'm I'm too young. I'm just, I'm not experienced enough to be able to step into my dream. Look me in the eyes, church. If your heart is beating, if there's air in your lungs, God has a dream for your life. And it's a great dream. God has a dream and a purpose for your life. But no, straight up. And here's what my responsibility is over the next few weeks is that you need to know that there's probably going to be a gap between when he reveals that dream to you and that dream actually becoming reality. You need to know that there is probably going to be a gap and that gap, the whole reason is about your character, like who you are behind the scenes. 
Like who you are when nobody else is watching. Who you really are. Not your projected you, but the real you. That that time in between your dream and your dream becoming reality is all about your character. And here's why. Because if you don't have the character needed to support the dream that God has given you, your dream will actually crush you. And so it's really important for you to lean into what God wants to do. And I'm telling you, he may step on your toes over the next nine weeks. But he's developing you like a good dad who wants to love you enough to develop the character so that he can give you exactly what he has called you to do. I'm telling you, big dreams must be supported by big character. And if you look at Psalm 105, verse 19, if we see that verse again, you see that that whole time in between, that that 13, 14 year gap in between the dream and the dream becoming reality, that it was a time of testing. And so in this series, what we're going to take a look at is the nine character tests that we see in the life of Joseph, that when you read through his story, so we're going to be camping out in this story in Genesis 37 through 50, we're going to discover that he took some character tests along the way, nine of them. And here's the truth. They're the same character tests that we have to take today to step in into the dreams that God has given us. But it's really important for us to really understand how these tests actually work. Because you and I, we take these tests, all of us, every single one of us, that if you are breathing, you're gonna take these nine tests. But the truth is, is that you may not pass them, but you never fail them. So you may not pass them every time, but you'll never fail them. Because with God, you never fail a test. God in his grace, he just makes it where you have to take it over and 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 over again until you pass it. Let me put it this way, that God never writes F at the top of your test. That if you don't pass it, he'll always write retake at the top of your test. Because listen, we serve a God of grace. We serve a God of grace where failure is never final. We serve a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that we serve a God of grace, but we also serve a God of truth. And he cares way too much to let you skip steps. And because he cares, because he has the heart of a great father, like he will not let you graduate and move forward until you eventually pass that test. And today, we're gonna take a look at Joseph's story at the very start. And we're going to uh, look at the very first test that Joseph took. Now, here's what encourages me. This very first one that he took, he did not pass. And so I'm like, yes, that makes me feel better about myself. And um, so if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, um, I want to talk just for the next few minutes over the very first test that he took, the pride test. The pride test. And we're going to look at the very start in Genesis chapter 37. And this is what the Bible says, starting in verse 2. It says, this is the account of Jacob. And Jacob, by the way, was Joseph's dad and his family. And when Joseph, there he is, 
was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. So where I grew up, that was called a snitch. (laughs) And snitches get, oh, come on, if you know, you know, okay? (laughs) Then it says this in verse three, it says, Jacob, this is dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other children. By the way, uh, Joseph had 11 other brothers. So this says that, that his dad loved him more than all the rest of them because he had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Maybe, maybe your Bible says a coat of many colors. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them and they, they couldn't say a kind word to him. So what this says is that, is that Joseph was his dad's favorite and they all knew because of his famous, amazing Technicolor dream coat. Because of that, it was like this symbol saying, I'm daddy's favorite. So they did not like that. In verse five, it says one night, Joseph, here's where it comes in, had a dream. 17 years old, God gives him this dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. And his brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon, Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars. Remember, he had 11 brothers. Bowed low before me. This time, he told the dream to his father, as well as to his brothers. That didn't like him in the first place, before the first dream, and didn't like him even more after they heard about the first dream. And his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what these dreams meant. I'm amazed reading this of, I'm not really amazed, he's a 17 year old boy, Uh, but like his lack of EQ. (laughs) Talk about not reading the room. Of like, when I should share, when should I not, how should I say this? Um, And a lot of times I always ask people, like, hey, did God give him that dream or is that his dream? Now, if you've never read this story, I'm telling you, God gave him this dream. So this dream was from God. We'll, We'll read about it over the next few weeks. We'll see that he actually steps in to exactly what God has called him to. But when, when you see the lack of awareness here, like why in the world would he so loudly and enthusiastically share that dream with all his older brothers, especially when it says that before he even shared that dream to his brothers, it says in verse four that his brothers like hated him 
Like, that's a strong word. But they hated him. And they, like, they couldn't even say a kind word to him. So it's not like they were being nice to him. But like somehow he still felt like, you know what? I need to share this dream with them. That's, so why in the world would he do that? I'll tell you why. It's because of pride. It's because of pride. Listen, pride always has to be heard. Like pride always has to have a voice. Pride always speaks up. And in this story, here's what I see is that pride actually warped Joseph's dream because God gave him this dream. But God's dream was for him to be put eventually in a position of leadership and influence. Like God's like, hey, I'm speaking this over your life. I'm giving you a snapshot into where I'm gonna take you and that I'm going to put you in a place of influence. But it's not for you. The whole reason and the point for the influence was so he could make a difference in the lives of a lot of people. And that's why God gives him that dream. He says, prepare, like I'm gonna prepare you. I'm gonna get you ready to make a difference, to be a person of influence. I'm gonna give you leadership. But listen, through the lens of pride, let me tell you what he saw. All he could see was people bowing down to him. See, God's dream for Joseph was influence, but all Joseph could see through his pride was fame. So it warped what he saw. And the theological tool, dictionary.com, it describes pride as this, is that pride is a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind, meaning it's, it's, it's just here, like you think it, or displayed in your conduct. Now, I thought that was a very eloquent definition of pride. Like, I don't know if I could have just come up with that. And when, I don't know about you, but when I read that, that that's what pride is, it's so easy for me to be like, well, I don't struggle with that. Like, that's not me. That's not my life. That's not how I think. So this message, it obviously doesn't apply to me. And so I don't deal with pride. But then when I started to ask God, yeah, but but what can pride actually look like in our lives? I wanted to show you some of the ways that he revealed to me that pride could actually be displayed within our life. And I'm going to give you a long list. And so if you're the note taker type, I would wait to the very end because I'm going to blast through those and you will not be able to write it. Okay. So wait till the end, take your picture and then, but let me show you what pride can look like. Pride doesn't need anybody. Like, like pride, pride takes this posture. Like I've got this, I've got this. I don't need any help. Like pride refuses to let people help. So pride doesn't need anybody. Pride thinks life can be lived solo. I can do it all by myself. Pride is highly judgmental. By the way, I just want you to know, it's okay if this gets all up in your kitchen because it did mine the whole time I was preparing for it. Like stepped all on my toes, okay? So this will be a good group therapy session for us, okay? (laughs) So pride is highly judgmental. Pride thinks it knows people's story before hearing people's story. So I see somebody and I can tell you why they do everything they do. I know their story before I even hear their story. I know their motive. I know like pride also 
thinks it knows people's perspective before hearing people's perspective. Like I know how they're going to react to that. I don't have to ask them because I know. See, pride views people in tears. We, we may not ever say that, but when you look at the actual, the fruit of your life, it may be easy to say like, well, I'm here, this person's here because this person does this, they're here and they're, and we view people in tears. Pride is constantly comparing. Pride has a hard time celebrating others. Pride is easily threatened when others succeed. Pride is offended when not recognized. Like, don't they see what I'm doing? See, pride thinks, I can do it better than them. Pride thinks, I'm always right. That my ideas are always the best ideas. See, pride likes to be the center of attention. Pride craves the spotlight. Pride's Instagram feed is full of selfies and pictures of yourself. Pride looks for every opportunity to brag. Pride feels the need to one-up everybody and everything. Just, it's so easy to just one-up everybody and everything. So every time, story time, well, let me tell you my story. That's better than the one that you just heard. Through pride, it also struggles to listen. And connected to that, pride often interrupts. Why? Because your opinion is more important. It's better than every other opinion. See, pride will only learn from certain people. Pride gets very defensive. Pride loves to give feedback, but hates to receive feedback. And pride flips feedback back on the other person. It is sure quiet in church today. And then here's the last one. Here's the last one. Last but not least, this is really important. Pride is easily offended by this list. That's the last one. You can take a picture. So, so let, me, let me ask you a question. Based on this, by show of hands, in a moment of honesty at church, where it should be the safest place to be honest about anything, how many of you deal with pride? Come on, let me see. Put it up in the air. Wave it like you just don't care. Okay, yeah. We all do. So please don't feel this as one big, you or this. No, we all do. We all have moments where we struggle in this area, where we struggle with pride. So with the rest of our time, I want to help you. And I want to go a little bit deeper and talk about three things. I want to talk about the root of pride, the result of pride, and the remedy of pride. Number one, let's talk about the root of pride. The root of pride. Now, right now... Um, it's spring, right? And everything is, is blooming. Things are changing. The temperature's going up. Praise God. It's hot up in here. I feel like a rotisserie chicken under these lights right now. I mean, it's just, everything's happening. I mean, it's great. Like the, the, the trees are coming. Things are getting green again. Everything's blooming, growing. Come on, shout out pollen. Shout out allergies. Come on, it's... <laughs> and at our home... 
Here's what I've noticed over the last few weeks as we've entered into spring. We, like, we have discovered that we have a, a, I'm not joking, an ungodly amount of weeds um, in, in our house. I mean, just in our yard. It, it looks awful. It got so bad um, at, at one point uh, to where you legit, I don't think you could have used a lawnmower. Like you had to use an ax or you had to get like, you had to be able to get a chainsaw just to be able to, to knock out some of these things. It was so thick. So it was so embarrassing. Um, I remember just telling Heather, it's like, Hey, we, like we, we have got to do something about this. And just, we'd procrastinate and we'd forget about it. And then we'd get out and be like, this is not a reflection of my character. Uh, this is not, we have these values. Excellence is our standard. And people came to our house right now. It would not be excellent. So we, we did such a good job and we, we got the grass cut. And so we cut everything and just, you know, made it all flat. And the house looked great. You looked and be like, oh, that is what a yard should look like. That's what I'm talking about. But then like after just a couple days and then it rained. Um, and then it, it just came right back. I mean, like super fast. Like the grass didn't grow, but all the weeds did. In fact, here's a picture. Here's a picture from my front yard I took yesterday, right there. I mean, it's just like, we cut it just a few days ago. It rains, boom, weeds come right back up. Why? Because we didn't deal with the root. And here's the deal, as people, it's so easy for us to do the same thing with our issues. So many times, we just deal with the fruit and not the root. We try to change the outside and what everything looks like on the outside without actually doing something about the real issue that's on the inside. And by the way, this is one of the reasons why you may at some point get stuck spiritually. I I love you enough and it's my role as a pastor in your life to let you know that God has a relationship that he wants to have with you that never stops growing. We put it this way in in our mission, is that we exist to reach all people and to teach them to have a relationship with God that gets better and better. Listen, you can have a relationship with God that gets better and better, that always grows until the time that you go to heaven. Like, it can grow. You, you never have to stall out. But let me tell you what will put a glass ceiling on your relationship with God is just dealing with things on the outside and never dealing with things on the inside. Um, it's where, I mean, I've heard people say like, I can't even come to church. Like my life is too jacked up or I can't go all in at church or I I can't, I can't get connected yet. Or I I can't, I can't jump into a group or I, I, me serve on the dream team or me go through growth track. Like I can't do that until I get my life together. And just honestly, to me, that sounds like I can't go to the gym without getting in shape first. It just doesn't make sense to me. That honestly, that's religion. That is behavior modification. That is saying, I want to change everything on the outside, but I'm telling you, Jesus is all about life transformation from the inside out. He doesn't want to change you on the outside. He wants you to come to him just as you are weeds and all. And then he wants to change you from the inside out. He doesn't just want to deal with the fruit and the outside. He wants to deal with the root and on the inside because he knows that not if he gets the outside right, everything will be good. No, no, no. He knows that all I have to do is get the inside right and then it'll all come out. The outside will be right. 
That's why I feel no pressure to ever tell you here, don't do this, don't do that, don't do So if you come here, I don't ever say that, ever. Here's what I do. Here's Jesus. Get to know him and he'll tell you what all needs to happen. Because he wants to change you from the inside out. Religion says, no, I want you to change the outside. And I want you to know if you're new around here, that's not what we're about. We're about changing from the inside out. And if you want to deal with like pride, if you want to pass the pride test, we have to deal with the root of pride. And let me share what that is. The root of pride, all pride, is insecurity. That is the root of pride, is insecurity. All pride is rooted in insecurity. A prideful person is always an insecure person deep down. Let me put it this way. If pride is in your life, insecurity is in your heart. And let me just go ahead and put this out there. We are all at times insecure. Let me tell you what provides power to that is when you say it. You want to take the power out of insecurity? You say when you're insecure. Right now, I feel insecure. And right there, the power of insecurity is gone. But when we don't, it can morph and turn into pride. And the root of pride is insecurity. So to deal with pride, we have to deal with insecurity, the root of pride. If not, we're going to have to deal with number two, the result of pride. The result of pride. Let me share some verses with you. Proverbs 11, verse 2, it says, pride leads to disgrace. Proverbs 29, 23 says, pride ends in humiliation. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride leads to destruction and arrogance to downfall. So when you put all those things together, it's crystal clear that the result of pride is destruction. In other words, pride will destroy your life. The Bible is very clear. There's so many examples from Genesis to Revelation. I think it's one of the massive themes of the Bible is that pride, like the result of that in your life is destruction. It will destroy your life. Let me tell you what can destroy your marriage is pride. Like pride can destroy your family and your friendships. Pride can destroy your business. Pride can destroy your future. And let me just go ahead and just tell you, if there's a dream in your heart, Pride can destroy that dream. The result of pride is destruction. So if the root of pride is insecurity and the result of pride is destruction, what is number three? The remedy of pride. Here's the good news. Because from cover to cover in my Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, from front to back, God's word is crystal clear that the remedy of pride is humility. That is the opposite of pride. It is the remedy of pride is humility. Here's some verses, Proverbs 11, verse two. Again, it says pride leads to disgrace, but here's the rest of the verse. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 29, 23 says pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. 1 Peter 5.6 says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. In other words, the way up, church, is down. 
that how high you go is directly connected to how low you go. And the lower you go, in actuality, the higher you go. I'm telling you, humility will play a massive role in your dream becoming reality. Jesus, in fact, he says this himself in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, where he says, God blesses those who are humble, for they, the humble people, they will inherit the whole earth. One of my favorite quotes is by a guy by the name of F.B. Meyer. And he says this, he says, I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves one above the other. And the taller we grew in Christian character, the more easily we could reach them. I now find that God's gifts are on shelves one beneath the other. And that it's not a question of growing taller, but of stooping lower. In church, here's what I want you to get today is that it's really hard to fall from this position. It's really hard to fall from a position of humility. If you want to know what this thing's all about, it's about the way up is down. The, the, the way, the remedy of the pride of our life is to be humble. And practically, let me just tell you, the easiest way, the best way that I know how to stay humble is to stay close to God. Because when I am close to God, here's what that gives me. It gives me the gift of awareness. And, and let me just tell you, awareness is a very good thing. And when I am close to God, it gives me the gift of awareness. The closer I get to God, the more I know who I am. The closer I get to God, the more I know who he is. See, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is having an accurate view of who you are and who God is. And it is so much easier for me to be humble when I have an accurate view of who God is. Because when I know that, I know who I'm not. And I know that, oh, God is so good and I'm not. It's not thinking less of myself. It's having an accurate view of who I am. It's an accurate view that I need God. I'm telling you, the remedy to pride is humility. And the truth is, there's no greater example of humility than Jesus. In fact, I, I believe he's the greatest example of humility that's ever walked planet Earth. And I, I love this text in Philippians chapter two. These are some of my favorite verses in the Bible that describe Jesus. And listen to how it describes Jesus. Listen to the humility that though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Talk about humility. The fact that God became man. The fact that God died. 
the fact that God died, not just any death, but died the, the worst death possible, the death of the worst of the worst criminals. He humbled himself. Nobody made him humble. He made the choice. I humble myself. Talk about humility. And look at the result of that humility. Listen, he had it all, but he gladly in humility gave it all. And then listen to the response in verse nine. So the humility was there. Therefore, when he did that, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That means us too. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's what absolutely blew me away this week thinking about this. Is that the most humble person in all of human history is also now the most recognized person in all of human history. And it was like a light bulb went off to me this week. And that's where in Genesis 37, when Joseph failed the pride test, right here in Philippians chapter two, black and white, clear as day, Jesus passed the pride test. And let me just remind you, those of you that are here and you've made a decision in your life, I'm following Jesus. I'm giving him my life. I'm a Christian. I live for God. I receive his grace. I receive what he's done for me. Let me just remind you, that is who we're called to follow. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to create just a space before we leave for you to just ask God right here and right now, just pray this prayer. Say, God, what are you saying to me today? Ask him, pray that prayer. God, what are you saying to me today? Maybe ask him this. What's a response that I can, that I can do to this message? What's a step that I can take? And just ask God and let him speak to you. Maybe for some of you, this, the step that you need to take today is like, man, I need to commit to doing that devotional. Starting tomorrow, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go on this journey with our church. Maybe for some of you, God in his grace, in the only way that he can, has revealed some areas of your life where maybe you have some pride. And maybe before you leave today, you just need to give that to God and say, God, I don't, I don't want that in my life anymore. I give that to you. But maybe some of you are here and you're far from God. Right now, you do not have a relationship with God. Right here, right now, you've never given him your life. Maybe you've never made that choice. 
Maybe you've never invited him into your life. You've never believed in Jesus, but maybe you're here and you have in the past. Maybe you did when you were a kid. Maybe you did when you were a teenager, but now you find yourself at church and you're far from God. And today you need a fresh start. And here's what I was thinking about in the context of this message, that decision, making the decision to follow Jesus, giving him your life, receiving his grace, that decision is all about humility. It's recognizing that you can't do this thing called life on your own, that you cannot fix yourself, that you cannot save yourself, that you need an outside source, that you need somebody who can do what you cannot do, that you need a savior. And some of you, I just feel like God, and please hear this with so much humility and grace drenched all over it. So that some of you are right here right now and your eyes are closed and you know that God is dealing with you and he's wanting you to make that decision. He is drawing you to himself, but you have refused to make that decision because of pride. And today in humility, you need to lay down your pride and say yes to Jesus. And we wanna give you that opportunity right now. We're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna make you come forward. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way. All I wanna do is lead you in a prayer. And if you're here and you know that that is your response today, I need to get right with God. I need to give him my life, whether it's for the first time or it's all over again. I need to receive grace. I need a fresh start. If you're here and you know that that's you, I'm gonna ask you to do something that takes humility. I'm gonna ask you to lay down your pride and on the count of three, raise your hand and say, include me in that prayer. And I have everybody close their eyes so that it's only you and God, because that's what's important. It's important that he knows I am laying down my pride and in humility, I'm saying I need you. So if you're here and you know that that's you today, that's your response, whether it's for the first time or it's all over again on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. I got you. I got you. I got you. That's awesome. Leave it up. 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 Nobody's looking around. Leave it up. It's awesome. In humility, say, yes, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. That's awesome. Put your hands down and just pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus in humility, I need you. I need you. And I'm sorry. I repent. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me and change me? Will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you. I give you everything. I give you my life. And today, I not only give you my life, I receive your grace. And today, I choose to follow you. We thank you for grace. We thank you for love. We thank you for forgiveness. And we thank you for Jesus. And it's through Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Church, can you clap your hands? Come on and celebrate. Come on with those that made that decision. That's amazing, 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 amazing. Amazing. We're so proud of you. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.